Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. We are Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. Do you buy drinks for random girls at the bar? Oh, so you slid into her Facebook DMs. Did you, you, you pioneered the DM slide. Did you know this? All right, I'm gonna make you do a bunch of weird shit and you're gonna get fucking rejected. And sometimes we're gonna go out there and get rejected on purpose. What's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And today we've got a special treat for you guys, Gareth. Jones is here. He's a dating coach who's worked with guys all over the world. He's the founder of The Art of the Playboy, where he's teaching men how to make real connections and helping them overcome insecurities. And this stuff's not just for guys either. For any girls listening, you'll learn why guys are so embarrassingly terrible at dating apps, um, why they don't approach you at bars even when they really do want to, and why even when they do approach you, they act like fucking morons. So, and uh, I mean, guys, you'll learn how not to be terrible at these things. It sure opened my eyes. I'll tell you that. Yep. You will learn that. And you will also get a lot of insight on how you need to dive into your head. In fact, the most interesting takeaway from the entire conversation with Gareth, I thought, was how much he focuses on A, mindfulness when you're when you're approaching someone in a bar or a public place, and B, uh, how much it stems from not what you would think that it does. What, how, how people's problems with dating and with meeting people are not exactly a result of the things that you would think that they are. Yeah, I think it's important before we really get into it to just clarify any misunderstandings about the pickup industry, which I think at first glance, it certainly seems like something that's sleazy and manipulative. Um, and as we'll learn, it's not really the case, at least as far as what Gareth teaches we're really just scratching the surface here. And I don't know a ton about this, but it's really seems to be more about teaching guys self-esteem, a sense of worthiness, um, a curiosity about women that extends beyond their looks. And I think when most guys meet women, there's the, a natural tendency to be, to think you have to be subversive, act like a dick, play the game you think you're supposed to play. But we learn from Gareth that a more direct, genuine approach isn't as scary as it seems. I think fundamentally what Gareth and other dating coaches do is equip men with the tools to overcome anxiety, um, self-defeating internal narratives and teach them how to stop shooting themselves in the foot, basically. Yeah, it's a self-worth thing more than anything else, I think is what Gareth gets at. And he does it in so many words and, and there's definitely a strong personality there. But I think the bottom line of what he is trying to do and its underlying value to the world is in showing his clients that they have the worth that people will want to talk to them. It's just a matter of a believing in yourself and also approaching it the right way. Right. I mean, he's done this all over the world. So we'll learn about cultural differences. We'll dive into how, you know, meeting people is different in, uh, you know, a more repressive, um, or analytical culture compared to a more open outgoing culture and things like that. So it's, it's really interesting. Another thing that I'm really interested in, Eben, is the first time you ever asked somebody out on a date. How how did that go for you? Uh, not good, Tim. Not good. <laughs> well, you and me both. All right. I wrote this girl a letter. I was like 14, I think. And either I think I thought I lived in the 17th century 
or that I lived inside a romantic comedy where you can actually get away with that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I, th I think I asked her if she wanted to go for like a walk or something. That That's how non-threatening I was trying to be. I As if like a chubby 14-year-old with a lactose allergy and you really needed to try to be non-threatening. So yeah, she, she did write me back and pretty much told me to go fuck myself. So she actually wrote you back another letter. She did. She wrote me back. I, I gave her this letter through my friend and she gave one back uh, like the next day or something. And I think, I don't know. I think she wanted a little like confident Casanova 14 year old to just sweep her off her feet and take her to the corner hot dog store. That's not a euphemism. That's, there is a convenience store that has 25 cent hot dogs. That's like where people went to hang out. You know, that's not too different from mine. Uh, I believe the first time I ever asked a girl to hang out with me to go on a date uh, was I was also 14 and I these were this was in the day of AOL instant messenger and so we had been chatting back and forth on AOL instant messenger even though we went to the same school and walked by each other in the hallways every day I never had the courage to actually stop her and talk to her but then I would go home and chat to her on the internet after school yeah, oh yeah. and so I finally got up the courage to ask her to meet me to see a movie uh at the dollar theater by my parents house and she said yes and she did but i don't think my approach at the movie theater was any more impressive like we hung out and watched the movie and then our parents picked us up and we each went home and that was it the aim days i oh my god i wish that was still a thing because that was like texting but with a captive audience and i mean gareth will talk a little bit about texting and dating apps and stuff but you know, now it's like you send a text and there's this whole like mental gymnastics you put yourself through. AIM, you knew that person's online. And if they're ignoring you, they're ignoring you because they don't want to talk to you. But you can see they're online. Yeah, unless their parents come into the room. Right. I just think it's it's it was just a more uh, transparent form of texting that I mean, I would I just I wish people still did that. You go to school, you come home, you just sit there on your computer on AOL, that little dashboard. And you, uh, you just see who's online. And you just shoot your shot. What was your AOL screen name? Home Run 730. And I thought that was so clever because I was into baseball, but 730 was my birthday. And it was also the time the Simpsons were on every night, which was my favorite show. Nice. So it had this cool dual meeting that like nobody knew except for me. And I thought it was super cool. Well, it's kind of funny going back to our, our conversation from a couple of weeks ago about best friends, because I think our opinion on cereal also played out here because my AOL screen name was also a baseball reference, and it was Rocky's FVR, which was short for fever, Rocky's fever. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. So that was mine that I shared with my parents. And while I had that one, I got into an uh, argument about baseball with a guy who had the screen name Marlins Fever. And I, he, he was like an adult, and I was, you know, <laughs> I was like a preteen yelling at this guy, telling him that the Marlins sucked because they started the same year as the Rockies and we were better and blah, 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 blah. And he finally told me to fuck off and stopped responding to me after a week or so of that. But Okay, I thought the story was going to end where the guy invites you to his house to hang out and then Chris Hansen appears. So that's, that's, that's a lot better than I thought. Um, speaking of baseball, though, you are a big baseball guy. I thought your screen name would have been something like the great Bambino 6969 or, or the great Tim Bino 6969. No, even when I was a kid, I hated the Yankees. So I never, I as much as I may have liked Babe Ruth, I would have never named my screen name with anything that had to do with the Yankees. Yep, no, I feel you. 
Well, enough about our sad middle school lives. Let's get into it with Gareth. We'll see you on the other side. All right. Welcome to the show, Gareth. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So you're coming to us from West Newbury, Massachusetts, right next to my uh, hometown. No, I'm in Paris. I'm at a fancy <laughs> hotel right now. Yeah, I'm in rural Massachusetts presently. Is that the reason you got into pickup in the first place? Because you just got so frustrated with the social scene in West Newbury? I was living in LA when I found out about pickup. Um, I went to music school. I went to Berkeley College of Music. So I was in a band out there and I was meeting a lot of girls. They were all like, well, not all of them, obviously, but I was finding a lot of interest. A lot of these girls were really interested in me. And then it would just fucking fizzle. Um, and I never knew, like, I mean, sometimes I couldn't even get these girls on a date, you know, and the dates were always like super awkward and weird. So let's, let's move to the present and look back on how my interactions would go. I'd be on a rock stage and I'd be like skinny and cool and singing and, and very confident and very stylish. And, and, and then these girls would come up to me after the show and I'd be like, Oh, hi. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. You're really pretty. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, it was like two months of that. Um, before I figured out I should start asking for their numbers. Uh, and so then I'd get their numbers and I do, have you ever seen that? Um, you ever seen that scene in swingers where he like calls the girl and like leaves long messages on her, on her answering yeah. That's probably what I would do. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd be like, like, Oh man, you know, we had such a great time. Cause I think about it, you know, I, I, I like meet her and then I get her phone number and I'd be, ah, I'm in love. This is it. I'm, I'm so, and it's funny because, um, I, I am still that way. I'm still like romance is a fantasy and I'm still super into creating fantasies and, and um, projecting the best possible outcome. But as a result, uh, you know, it, it just kind of kicked me in the ass back, back in the day. And I would, I, would, I would just bubble up and get so excited. And then I'd call and I'd be like, wow, I think we should do this. It would be so great. It was so great to see you. You're so pretty. I'm thinking about your dress. Wow. And they just like never call me back or some shit. I was reading a lot about psychology, group psychology um, for onstage stuff because I love Jim Morrison and Jim Morrison was really into like Rambo and stuff like that. Uh, all this Huxley and doors of perception and understanding group psychology and analysis of the ego and things like reading about psychology, but not like even thinking about it in terms of men and women at all, like at all. Mm -hmm. But I ended up reading Casanova's memoirs, history of my life, which I actually, I literally, hold on, look, it's got it right there. The OG copy I have literally right here, but his style of seduction was a, a lot like how I felt. He was like, I fucking love this woman. You're, I'm in love with you. Boom. I met her. I'm in love with her. And, uh, and, and within that, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of messages about being true to yourself, being honest, um, being f totally f straightforward with your intent, not only with the other person, but with yourself. But as we gradually progress through this, this process and this, this, this concept of, of teaching guys how to talk to girls, we realize that like, that's totally the way, like the way is not, it's not pretending you don't like her or pretending your value is higher and like making her jealous and that kind of shit. Right. So instead of manufacturing a situation, like pretending to ask for directions or manufacturing a personality, like being a dick for no reason, you kind of learned a more direct honest way of going about it yeah so so when we talk about like um basically there's two types of seduction right there's western seduction and there's eastern seduction which can largely be put into two categories of additive seduction or subtractive seduction so all the mystery method stuff all the style life stuff all the stuff kind of coming out of the, the the west coast is really more um additive seduction which is like do this say this 
and become this type of person and she will like you more, right? You have to increase your value so that she'll like you. And the, the more Eastern style of, of seduction, which is which was coming out of um, like uh, James Marshall in Australia, um, a lot of that kind of uh, more meditative seduction is like, stop trying to do this. Stop trying to be this person. Stop trying to wear these things. And it's subtractive. And, and it's like, I think it was Da Vinci that said, you know, perfection is not adding, it's taking away. And as a result, what ended up happening was in, in Western seduction, in Hollywood seduction, I always think about it because I was there for so long. But in that kind of Hollywood seduction, um, there, were, there were indirect and direct approaches. And indirect is the idea that you're going in with some other reason and just happen to end up talking to the girl. And then you make a date like with some other reason. And then you like sort of covertly demonstrate value until she chooses that she wants you. And a lot of times it's totally not indirect at all. Because it's insincere. You're hiding the real reason you're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the fucking girl that spent set on average 78 minutes getting ready to look fucking super hot in the corner of the bar and you like walk over the bar and you go, Hey, you know, uh, has this bar been open long? Like she's not, nobody's fooled, you know, certainly nobody's fooled. And, and one of the problems with indirect is that it, it's, it's a clear mask of what you're trying to achieve. And it often ends up just being direct, but badly direct because your intent, if you think about it, breaking up intent, and words, what you're actually doing versus what you're actually portraying, is, is she's hearing you make excuses for what is obvious that you feel and think. Yeah, and I feel like guys have a ton of trouble being direct. I mean, the instinct is to be as subversive as possible until you somehow are positive she's interested enough that you can, yeah. you know, kind of reveal why you're actually there talking to her to minimize your chance of rejection. So, I mean, teaching guys to be direct and genuine and honest sounds like a simple thing, but it's so hard for so many guys. And it's really important both for their sake and for the girl's sake, right? So they don't have to deal with our annoying, non-committal, half in, half out bullshit. Well, it's, it's, it's absolutely imperative. There has to be direct interest. And the reason why guys pursue indirect is because for a number of reasons. Number one, um, because the girl is getting a ton of attention. So direct attention won't work, which is not true. The wrong type of direct attention doesn't work, but guys, you know, they can't get over the hump of being, which is the second reason, being afraid of being rejected, right? And largely what we do on our workshops, spoiler alert, is day one is like, all right, I'm gonna make you do a bunch of weird shit and you're gonna get fucking rejected. And sometimes we're gonna go out there and get rejected on purpose. And guys are like, why? This is gonna hurt. And then we're like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then they're like, no, everything in my ego says, my brain, which is the ego, says it's gonna hurt. And it's not, it's not going to hurt. And then they get over it and they get a big rush. And then they're suddenly fucking super confident. Because once you desensitize people to that pain of rejection and kind of break down that wall, there's almost a sense of like social freedom where you should be able to go up to anyone and not even care about the outcome. I mean, that's ultimately, that would be the goal, I guess. Yeah. And, and what I'll clarify just specifically right now is that there is no pain. It's not. It's literally in your brain. You think it's going to hurt. You're like, oh God, this is going to be so bad. This is going to be so bad. And it happens. And it's kind of like, ooh, like a shock. And then once you, you do it, I mean, they come back and they feel better. They say, hey, great job. On your website, you have a testimonial from a guy who's talking about how he travels all the time and has a tough time connecting with women in his hometown. And I would imagine, and, and, and particularly for, for our listeners, that's probably a pretty common scenario uh, for the modern professional. Um, 
how do you kind of channel somebody like that to be able to find a connection? And, and is it possible to bring that connection with them on the road so that they can now I'm not saying to go on the road and get laid or whatever, but just to meet somebody to have a conversation to like break down any barrier they have. So they're not sitting alone in their hotel room by themselves. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the, there's a couple things. The first thing to understand is that people are people no matter where you are. Right. Yeah. So that girl that works at forever 21, that's at that Starbucks is going to be that girl that works at Starbucks and is 21 and feels about love or sex or whatever, the way she feels, regardless of whether you're from five miles from where she lives or 500 miles from where she lives, right? And largely, the issues that guys have when they, they give themselves these issues, these, these, these uh, things that stand in the way, um, it has nothing to do with women. It has to do with them, uh, you know, the deeper issues of like, maybe it's approaching, maybe it's... Um, you know, maybe it's sexual anxiety. Maybe they don't feel worthy. You know, worthiness is a big thing too. Um, I always thought it was better to do that because we'd go to a town and I'd be like, look, I'm here for two days. And the girl would be like, all right, well, we better go. You know, we better meet up tomorrow. And was that because you had a time constraint? You basically said, I have two days. That's it. Yeah. And is that create, I think, do you think for guys that creates a sense of urgency if they, if they know they only have a day or a two or a weekend in a place compared to if they live there and they can kind of say, well, uh, I'll do I'll do some approaches like next week or in a few weeks or like oh, I'll ask her out in a few. It's like you no, know, you're here for two days. Yeah, I'll get to the gym uh, the January third. Yeah, because it's a Monday. Right, and also when you're in another place, when you're traveling, whatever, you just feel somehow freer and like less judgment is coming your way because you know you're never gonna see any of these people again. Any of these people in the bar, any of these people on the street, anyone who might be watching, overhearing, who gives a shit? Because you're gone in two days, so. What do you care if you approach someone and get rejected, get blown out, and everyone watches? Who cares? It's that's, I mean, ideally that would be the mindset everywhere, but I think that's easier when you're abroad or traveling. You know, it's interesting that you say that because it, it, it can be either way. You know, you can like, because guys, and, and this is what I was saying about other issues, is because guys can think about it legitimately either way. Well, I'm only there for three days, so what's even the Why bother? You know, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe I'll meet her tomorrow, but I'll be hungover, and like, then what are we gonna do? Like, I'm never coming back to Dallas, you know, or something like, you know. And I felt that, and I realized that it's never because of that situation. It's because I like don't feel good about myself or something. And then guys do that when they're at home, you know. Guys are like, "Well, I'm at home, so I don't want to approach because like I'll blow myself out, and, and then like it'll get a, get around, and it'll be weird." So all of these excuses can be made. You know, the point is whether or not you want to become the type of person that makes excuses or doesn't make excuses. Right. right? And largely what that's up to is, is doing it properly. You know, when you're, if you're approaching, I mean, if you're doing the horse girl opener at your college that you go to, it's going to take like two days until the word gets around that you're the weird horse girl guy where you're approaching girls and going, Hey, do you like horses? Cause when I was a kid, there was this girl in my class and she, you know, um, but if you're learning how to interact with people, if you're learning just simple social skills, which are really like, that's just like 99% of what this is, you know, then you're talking to people in your class and you're leaning over and you're like, Hey, great. That's a cool coat. Where'd you get that? Are you like, a, are you doing art or what's your deal? Did you make that? That's super different. And she goes, Oh, thanks. I, you know, I bought this at a vintage store, but we went down to Virginia and got it. And he's, Oh, that's neat. That's cool. So are you do like vintage hunt or are you doing something else? That's just a conversation. Most of this stuff is just normal people and we're kind of getting, I don't want to say beaten down, but the ability to interact and the right for us to interact with other people and the right for us to, to communicate with people 
is is largely being hampered by the dudes that aren't doing it well. Right. The whole idea of approaching someone you don't know, especially directly, gets a bad rap because of guys who aren't coming from a genuine place of appreciation and respect. The first, I, I would say the first and most important thing to call out is that there are a lot of companies out there that are doing really bad things. They're teaching guys bad shit. They're, they're teaching guys stuff that will result in... Um, in fooling women into thinking they are genuine people, getting what they want and then leaving, right? And that's what's bad. Largely what we're doing now is we're giving them guidelines. We give them structure, right? So we say, um, we say this is how you're gonna stand so that she knows that you're not like up in her face. You know, this is how much space you can give her. This is how you can stop her. So in a way, if she really needs to keep going, if she's really uncomfortable, she can keep going. Right. This is how we engage her when we ask her a basic question that everybody's going to ask her. That's going to be boring. But this is a follow up question that we can get um, a little bit more information about her and show her that we're interested in her. We're not just going through the routine. Right. Um, I call them all cool. The all cool cycle. Where guys will like talk to a girl and they'll be like, um, they'll be like, uh, so uh, where do you where are you from? I'm from Detroit. Oh, cool. Uh, do you live around here? Uh, yeah, I go to school here. Oh, cool. What school do you go to? I go to this school. Oh, cool. And then girls just feel like it's an interview, right? But these are genuine questions that guys want to know because we think logically and realistically. And so we say, oh, let's break it down. Let's talk about, you know, what she does at school. So, hey, do you go to school around here? Yeah, I go to this school. What do you study? I study this. What do you like about that? Right. And now she's talking about what she likes about it, which, of course, is we're getting into thoughts and feelings, which is advantageous for a conversation. It's always fascinating to me to look around at a bar and think how many of the exact same conversations are happening at that exact moment. Yeah, exactly. Where'd you go to school? What'd you major in? What's your job? Do you like it? Where do you live? Do you have roommates? What are you doing after this? It's like it's hard not to get caught up in that, though, because you're trained on that thought and talk track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not how you get to know someone. It's just like downloading an encyclopedia entry about their life facts onto your brain. I used to use it as ways to like get rid of girls. I remember a specific time where I was I was teaching a student in Detroit and it was like you ever seen that website People of Walmart? Yeah. <laughs> or like have you ever been to Walmart? Yeah. It was like that except it was a bar. And this one girl and she's like, "Hey, and I don't like if I'm not interested in somebody like First of all, you never know what you're going to be interested in. Every woman has something beautiful about her. Uh, you know, I, I believe in being nice and kind and, and good for her for approaching me and good for her for, for whatever, you know. So she comes over to me and she starts talking to me. And I immediately realize, like, if she has the conversation, she's going to get what she wants, right? So I have to take over the conversation. And I just do that. I'm just like, so where are you from? Oh, wow. Wow. Do you live around here? Oh, cool. Wow. Do you, wow, okay, cool, wow, oh, cool, oh. So your cool. goal there was to be so boring and predictable that she was like, why did I come up to this guy? I was just doing what every other guy was doing, you know? And she was just so like, I'm, cur oh. I'm curious on that note, how this, how does this kind of approach play out uh, in places where the culture's a little different and maybe it's not as appropriate to just talk to a girl out of nowhere or maybe it's not appropriate for her to respond in a certain way? Uh, how do you kind of deal with that stuff? Yeah, I, I you know, honestly, the one of the hardest places to talk to people is, is the United States because everybody is so fucking wound up with what they, I mean, there's such a, a an issue with sexuality and, and, and people, people are confusing their values and what they're worth and that kind of thing that um, everybody has an idea of what they want in advance. You know, the real question is 
what is your reality? Like, is your reality that it is unacceptable, that it is awkward to talk to somebody? Or is your reality, hey, this is what I do. Sorry if it's weird anyway, you know? And, and I don't mean to say, sorry, like I don't apologize for it, but you call it out, you know, with awkwardness, there's, there's two ways to deal with any kind of awkwardness. One is to push through it. The other is to just call it out. And a lot of times just calling that out in any kind of approach, you know, you approach a girl, she's going to be stunned, you know, especially if you're well-dressed, especially if you're well-groomed, especially if you like meditated before and you're making solid eye contact and you come in with a smile or, or a really intense gaze. The point is what, what reality are you willing to to present, you know? So if I approach a girl and I say, Hey, like, is it always this busy here? Like, I feel like this is like a bizarrely busy for a Tuesday night. And she like looks at me and like gives me a weird, like, look, I'm going to say, I can tell you're not used to people coming up to you. That's, I'm just an outgoing guy. I know that might be weird in some places. Sorry, I'm Gareth, you know? And what I'm doing is I'm creating that reality. I'm letting her know it's okay. that That's what I'm doing. Right? Like what is awkward and what is unacceptable is defined by you. A lot of what we struggle with, a lot of what we struggle with, especially uh, guys that we work with, um, is just the concept of approaching. And most of what dudes are worried about are rejecting by girls or being looked at as the weirdo, as the creep, as the the guy that's doing something fucking strange or or awkward or, or weird. Well, it's actually funny. We had a uh, flight attendant on recently and I asked her, how often flight attendants get hit on by passengers. And she said, not as often as you'd think, because the passengers all think that it happens all the time and no one wants to be that guy. But the fact is it never happens. And when it does, zero people are aware of it on the plane because everyone's too absorbed in their own shit. Everyone's too busy listening to music, listening to movies, um, got their headphones in. No one cares. No one's paying attention to you. So there's really nothing to be embarrassed about or keep you from doing it if you want to. You know, what's also interesting too, and, and here's a thought, that's the same thing that happens to hot girls. A, you don't want to get rejected, but B, you also like, oh, she probably gets hit on all the time in the club. Like who's going to fucking walk over to the super hot girl and be like, wow, you look fantastic. No, they like drink up their courage. They finally stumble over there and then they go, uh, and the girl, by that time, I mean, she spent hours getting ready to come to the club and sit by herself. Only to look too hot. Yeah, we should tell them. Stop looking so hot. Yeah, just throw on some sweatpants and a hooded sweatshirt. Much less intimidating. Talking about bars, though, it must be like 90% of people, I always think about this, 90% of people that are there are single and willing to meet someone in some capacity. But I feel like only 10% of the people there will actually venture out of their friend groups to approach someone or even be receptive to being approached, which is funny in a place seemingly designed specifically for socialization, where you think people are going there to meet people. So what about that other 80%? What are they doing? And what's holding them back? I would say that's probably 90, 95% of people. I mean, especially if you stretch it over from 10 to 2 um, here in the United States, that's usually where they go to the bars or clubs to pick up girls. Um, you've got maybe two guys, maybe two guys, maybe three guys that are being playboys that are going around and talking to the different people and, and stuff like that. You know, that's, it's, it's a tiny, tiny amount. And then the rest of the guys that actually do approach, unless, unless they're like, like dudes that are studying pickup and going out there, the rest of the guys are, are just sitting at home uh, or sitting at home, sitting in the corner um, getting drunk enough so that at one o'clock they can finally go over to that girl who's fucking burned out because she's been staring at him since 10 30 waiting for him to come over you know? 
Right. So you teach guys not to be that guy. You've taught people, I mean, from all over the world, uh, all different cultures. Where do most of your students come from? Is there a cultural consistency when it comes to guys who struggle meeting women who have low self-esteem? Yeah. Analytical cultures, analytical cultures. So Germans, um, Asia. The Swiss. Uh, yeah. I spent tons of time with Asians. Uh, a lot of the fresh off the boat Asians, first generation or second generation Asians have trouble because of what they're taught. Um, their parents, you know, the culture, and, and this happens in other cultures as well, but uh, obviously I was just exposed to it a lot. They're, every, they follow the, the, the routine where you go to school, you get good grades, so you can get in a good college, so you can get a great job, so you can get money, and that is when the girls will come for you, you know? And it just doesn't work that way. Like, it, it doesn't, you know? You get the 25-year-old kid that graduated college, and he's like, I'm a software engineer. I'm a civil engineer. Like, I sit in an office all day and eat my lunch in my car. Like, I'm not going to meet girls. So what do you think is the big kick in the pants that gets these these guys from analytical cultures and upbringings that gets them to finally say, okay, I'm going to sign up for one of your uh, boot camps? Uh, loneliness. Loneliness and a lot of uh, suicidal thoughts based on loneliness. Oh, really? Um, it's never about sex. I mean, you know, like sex gets so demonized because guys, guys identify sex like women identify um, romance, or I should say like kind of love, whatever the answer to loneliness is. Um, whereas the, they're both really the same thing. These guys get into a position where they're lonely and they're alone and, and they think it's sexual attention because a touch, you know, touch is so, so important. And so that's what they, they identify and that's what they value. Um, a lot of guys just don't, they aren't, they don't know you can approach a girl in Starbucks. They don't know most women, especially like 40, 50 year old guys don't know women want older men. You know, if you go to a bar and you ask every single woman there, if they prefer the majority of, if they think the majority of women prefer older men or younger men, they're all going to say older men. And, and these guys don't know that. And we have a great example or excuse me, a great opportunity to be able to share that with them. This is all about, I mean, I got into this because I wanted to get laid. And then once I got laid, I realized I wanted to teach because it's so important that we it's such an easy, it's so fucking easy to straighten things out. I mean, one in three women are sexually, one in three college age women are sexually abused. And if you think about like, if I can get one guy, right, if I can teach one guy and just straighten him out, you know, change, change the likelihood of that happening, then that's never going to happen to another girl with him. Right. And it's likely that she is going to be in a good relationship with him and she's never going to tolerate sexual abuse or sexual assault. From somebody else because she's going to be empowered by a good relationship just like men are empowered you know and that's why we do this that's why i do it and also i'm i wanted to be a stripper but i'm kind of fat <laughs> didn't quite work out a lot of good stuff in there but I, i'm curious how this kind of plays out in the pandemic and and how you approach the non-in-person aspect of dating and and pursuing uh a, a potential partner to go on a date with uh with texting Tinder, all of these kind of platforms that are out there. A lot of the game these days is not face to face. Well, I've always been, I've always been a huge proponent of, of texting because texting is just game in a in a smaller format, right? It's the exact same thing. One of the things I say to people is like, look, you're not going to be good at texting if you don't have good game, right? And the way to get good game is to interact with women and understand how game works, understand how communication works. And so there has been a huge resurgence in dating apps, which has been really, really neat. There was a big golden age, kind of 2013, 2015, in which Tinder was like amazing, where girls were like, this is awesome. I can connect with these guys um, without maybe my friends knowing that I like having a lot of sex 
or without, you know, maybe I like older guys and I can't meet them at the college bar I go to, you know, that kind of, there's all different reasons. Um, and then a lot of things started happening in which Tinder went face, face down where guys would just like get nudes of girls or like fuck them and leave and, and hot women, attractive women, like you know, they get every match and one good conversation. It's like if you go to a buffet and everything is bad, how long do you stay? So why is it so bad? What are guys do? What am I doing on Tinder? What What are guys doing on Tinder that that are putting women off so much? Oh man, there's a ton of stuff. First of all, a lot of guys just don't know how to co- have conversations, right? So they have the all cool conversation. What are you doing here? You know. And then when they have that all cool conversation, which is the where do you live? What do you go to school? It's just an interview. Um, a lo- they'll have that and women will stop responding and then they get really upset. A lot of times men get reactive and then they start being super aggressively sexual. And mm, when you are aggressively sexual in a way that is sensitive to how sexuality works, how women are turned on, how women visualize sexuality, how women experience sexuality, it's very, very powerful. But when you're sexual to be reactive, to cause a reaction, it's very obvious that um, like women are like, it's very obvious to women that you're not actually there to make a connection or value her as a human being. You're there to like be reactive. And so a lot of that conversation will look like, like if you ever see things that are like, Oh, I want to fucking come all over your face. You fucking slut. Oh yeah. That's not a golden opener. You wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. It's not, I don't recommend that. Well, that solves all my problems. That's not your, that's not your opener. Yeah. Just copying and pasting that same line to every single match. Like, why aren't they going for it? It's so genius and thoughtful and respectful. Yeah, yeah, I know. God, the openers that you sent me. So that's what we've been been largely focusing on. But but also, and I know this isn't very cool, and I know it's not very romantic, and I know it's also not very business-wise, but it's it's also like, yo, there's a fucking pandemic. You know, regardless of whether you believe in the virus or whether you believe you're at risk or whatever, like, like just chill. You know, do some time for healing do some push-ups, learn to play a guitar, read a bunch of books, whatever these things that are self-enriching. So what's your biggest uh, student success story? Like the, like a moment where you knew, damn, I really made a difference in this guy's life. Uh, I've been the best man at three weddings. Well, two weddings. I've been to three weddings. Actually, one of my, uh, I was really touched one time. I, I had sort of offhandedly said to a student that I was working with, I was like, you know, one of my, one of the worst parts about this job is when you work with a student and and you and you teach him things and you and you strengthen who he is and you help him become a better version of himself and he meets somebody and they have a connection and then they get married and he doesn't fucking tell you he doesn't fucking think and then you just like look one day and he's like oh i'm having a baby and he's got his like baby and then like they're married and you look back through the timeline and you're like hey, you fucking not married what the fuck like fuck you dude and you just passive aggressively comment on his instagram post you're welcome hey, thanks for the invite dick. disgustingly <laughs> like it um, and I, I made a comment and, uh, and he was like, well, you will be at my wedding. And I was like, cool. And then like two years later, he's like, Hey, what are you doing in October? And I, I, he invited me down to, to his wedding and, and it was like me and two other guys. It was me and his two best friends. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to cry. Like, Whoa, like, cool. That's pretty cool though to know you had that impact on someone. Yeah. You know, and that's, you have to, you know, you got to do it, man. If you can make a good impact, that's your purpose in life. That's your job. Because if you increase the, I have one bizarre skill that not a lot of people have and my ability to increase the quality of the world exists only within me and that's, I have to do it. Cool. Well, we'll uh, move on to our listener question now. We have listeners submit travel-related questions that are relatively on topic and then we pick the best one and pose it to our guest. 
So this guy, um, Jimmy, said, I studied abroad in Rome and found it extremely intimidating to talk to girls there. All the guys at bars were super loud, outgoing, aggressive, and confident. And as a relatively normal guy, it was tough to compete. Are girls always receptive to that kind of aggressive confidence or is it more of an Italian cultural thing? Well, it's Italy, like the best example, like Italy, like Brazil, like there's a reason we don't get Italian students. There's a reason we don't get fucking Brazilian students or something. Like That's that. like my question earlier, like the students from like these outgoing cultures don't tend to need this kind of help. No, it's not even outgoing. What it is, is it's, it's not sexualization isn't demonized, right? Women like being women and men like being men and men like women and women like men. Right? What we have in the Western world right now is this idea where there is one definition of power and control and whatever, and that men just happen to have gotten good at that and, and women are oppressed and that's why they aren't there yet. You know, But it's not that way at all. It's that women are powerful in their own way and men are powerful in their own way. The strength of the woman and appreciation of a woman is so, so important and that those cultures have that as a part of their culture, you know? And, and when Jimmy says that he's as a relatively normal guy, that's not normal, man. It's, it's Western average. And what happens is you're just not being taught about these things. You're not being taught to appreciate women. I mean, what is, telling, what is being afraid to tell a woman she's got a good body, right? Why? It's her body. Well, you know, because it's sexist. Well, no, it's not. It has to do with sex, you know? Yeah, of course it has to do with sex, but it's not sexist. She's very attractive. She's got an attractive body. You're expressing that you feel that. If you're expressing that you only think she's attractive because of her body, then it's sexist. If you're not trying to figure out who she is or what she is, you're not appreciating a woman. You're appreciating her tits. And there's a very big difference between appreciating a woman for her body and appreciating a woman for being a woman that has a body that's obviously very fucking attractive because she's a woman, right? So um, is it normal in those cultures? Yes. Is it normal for you to be afraid, to be scared, to be um, hesitant to express who you are? Nope, it's not. So when Jimmy's talking about Rome, he's in a hard, he's in a hard situation, right? A lot of also probably what, what Jimmy is having a trouble with is two different cultures. It's not just that their culture is this, it's that he's coming from outside the culture. Right? So there's another sort of step that he has to take. And rather than trying to compete with that other culture, he has to be the best version of himself that he is. So if, if, um, if everybody is aggressive and loud and sexual, rather than trying to be aggressive, loud, and sexual, be reserved and stoic and calm. You know, one of the first things we teach guys when we're teaching them in bars and clubs is walk slower than everybody. You don't need to get anywhere fast. And if you do, you're rushing, right? If you can walk slower than everybody, you're commanding a presence. You are making a decision. All these habitual things that are happening, and in this case, these guys being loud and aggressive and sexually whatever, you're, it's going to be the same thing as guys getting drunk to talk to girls. You know, They're going to find themselves burning people out. They're going to, they're going to find themselves um, not being attractive because they're doing what everybody else is doing. So you're saying cultures like Italy and Spain have embraced a more honest expression of sexuality, whereas cultures like the US, uh, more analytical cultures are still rooted in a more traditional, almost repressive um, past when it comes to this stuff. Puritan sexuality is, I mean, totally demonized. Right. That's literally why, 
I mean, the whole concept of marriage, the whole concept of monogamy, the whole concept of, of all this stuff is brought about by religion, which is why it's embraced in the colonies, Australia, England, America. That's why we have such a hard time, you know? And then you look at um, the lack of understanding of emotion, the lack of embracing um, of art and beauty, like in Germany and, and um, Switzerland and things like that, where the guys aren't, aren't having that experience. Like, you, like French, the French culture is known for love and sex. Like, do I ever get a fucking French student? Like, never. Do you so a woman that comes from a culture like Italy? Do you think she's more likely to be receptive if she's walking down the street to uh to an approach rather than someone from New York City? I mean, why wouldn't she? You know, why would telling a woman that she's beautiful be offensive? Why would that be hurtful? Why would that be unwanted? It is unwanted when you create the circumstance in your head where you say, "Oh, well, he's objectifying me." A lot of men don't appreciate women; they try to get things from women. So when a man comes up to a woman and says she's beautiful on the street, it's not because he feels that and wants her to feel good. It's because he's trying to get her to fuck him. And for a woman, when you're walking down the street in New York City and all these guys are just trying to fuck you, it becomes frustrating, right? And so your reaction to that becomes like, like quite defensive. So that if I stop you and I say, wow, you got a great look, you're amazing. And you can't tell that my... Um, approach comes from a place of admiration and, and appreciation, which is very likely because you've been fucking harassed and you're fucking frustrated for years and years on end. You know, I mean, these girls are getting attention since they're what, 13, 14, 15, you know? Um, then it's likely that my completely genuine approach is going to piss you off just as much because it's going to call back all of those other kinds. And it's likely that there have been guys before me that have said or presented a genuine approach and appreciation, but aren't actually genuine. They've taken a risk, gone home with them, and then the guys turn out to be an asshole. So now all of these experiences they're having are bad. When it is inherent in that culture to be appreciation, then it's always appreciation. Right. So in the US, people are so used to a random approach being transactional and ingenuine that they're much more wary of it. Whereas in a country like Italy, there's almost a built-in understanding, like a cultural context that the same approach could be the exact same approach that's happening in New York City is coming from a place of appreciation. So people are more likely to be receptive. Yeah. And also her previous experience, you know, when you're dating a girl, you're not dating a girl, you're dating a girl that has dated all those other guys. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, that's it for me, Tim, unless you got anything else to add. Yeah, no, I think we're good. Thanks for coming on, man. Where can people find you, um, Art of the Playboy? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm, uh, my website is artoftheplayboy.com. Instagram is Art of the Playboy. Um, our Facebook is Facebook forward slash Becoming Gentleman, which is a pun, and but spelled properly. Uh, but always you can access me on my Facebook, which is the Gareth Jones or my Instagram or whatever. Send messages to Gareth at art of the playboy.com, anything like that. I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. Well, enjoy winter in West Newbury, man. Oh, I love it. You know, it's my favorite. Fuck Paris. I want to be here. West Newbury is the Paris of new England. They always say that's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Thanks guys. Take it easy. All right, well, now it's hot seat time. Do a little uh, rapid fire quick takes. Hot takes, Tim, not hot seat, not quick takes. Jesus. I put you on the hot seat, though. No, I say hot seat every time. All right, all right, all right. We could argue about this for hours, and uh, who knows? Maybe we will when we run out of other things to talk about. All right, well, I only have two for you tonight, and they're both very on topic. So the first one 
in what scenario are you more comfortable? Cold approaching someone at a bar or a coffee shop or whatever, or being in a group social setting where you can pick up on subtle hints and then act on them. I think most people are comfortable in group settings, but honestly, I kind of like being able to do my own thing without my friends watching and judging me. Uh, I, I'm more comfortable, I guess, with the eyes of strangers on me than the eyes of people I know, which sounds super weird now that I say it out loud. But I, I also like the idea of a clean slate. I, I, in group settings, there's a chance you know the girl already and have a bunch of mutual friends, which kind of complicates things and adds to nerves. So I don't know. I feel like I can be more natural if I'm a little more anonymous. What about you? I mean, how did you, um, you meet your wife? Yeah, well, we worked at a restaurant together years ago. Um, well, she was in the Peace Corps um, and she was gone for three years and I was in Denver. And uh, But we stayed friends on Facebook and I asked her when she was coming back, I asked her to meet me for a drink at the Candlelight Tavern in Denver, which I lived up the street from. Oh, so you slid into her Facebook DMs? Did you 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 pioneered the DM slide? Did you did you know this? Yeah, I did. Actually, I was I was the original sliding into the DMs guy. That was my original move. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that in general, I'm more comfortable. Like, it doesn't have to be a group setting, but I I'm not the anti-approaching. I mean, when I was single, you know, but I I'm not the guy that is like gonna walk up and be like at the bar and just buy a drink for somebody randomly and like start talking to a random person. Well, one thing I do at the bar, which is an awesome way to meet people. And I, I don't know if I told you about, have I, have I played this game with you, Tim is uh the quarter game. Well, no, we were doing that game in San Diego. I think I only did one or two rounds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We played I, I'm married game. and I'm not down. But, right. Oh no, no, but it can uh, be, it doesn't, it, it could be just, it's just a fun way to just like, yeah, I don't know, loosen up and meet people. doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it's like you flip a quarter quarter, you, you call the, the other person calls the quarter in the air. And if you're wrong, so if you call it heads and it's tails, then you have to do a dare that the group assigns for you. Right. And if you want to opt out of the dare, you have to do a shot. The point being, if you opt out of enough dares, you're going to end up being drunk enough to start doing the dares pretty soon. Right. And and so I actually, I remember we were playing that game in that bar, that uh, like underground honky tonk bar in San Diego. And I got you to go and ask the bartender if they had any kombucha. Kombucha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just harmless stuff. It's like a very, uh, nothing that's going to get you in a fight, nothing that's going to get you kicked out, like nothing illegal, nothing crazy. Um, it's just a good way of like opening people up who are kind of like, you just get there, you get, you got some nerves it's just a good way to meet people and get socially kind of loose. Okay. Second question. Do you buy drinks for random girls at the bar? Uh, how do I answer this without sounding cheap? The answer is no. And the reason is because when you buy a drink for a girl at a bar, you don't know, you just come up and say, Hey, can I buy you a drink? My name's Evan. That gives off the vibe that she can get whatever she wants from you without opening up at all. She'll say, thanks, feel an obligation to talk to you for like 25 seconds and then say, uh, so I have to go back to my friends now and that's it. And then the guy is standing there feeling taken advantage of. I, I think it's almost always a bad look for guys to do that. And I don't blame the girl at all for reacting that way. If I was a girl, I'd want a guy to come up to me, talk to me, learn about me, make a connection and then maybe buy me a drink rather than just come up and buy me a drink based on how I look and nothing else. I agree. I 
think it's honestly pretty creepy. And but and then furthermore, I also just think it's I think it's a cop out. I think it's a lame way to try to impress somebody. Random buying of a drinks out of nowhere, out of left field, when you've never even talked to this person, is fucking creepy. And I have a buddy that's been my friend forever since high school. And he is like the guy that like, we'll be out at a restaurant, not even at a bar. We'll be at a restaurant eating dinner. And there'll be like a group of girls at the other side of the restaurant. And he'll like ask the server, like, Hey, what are those girls drinking? Send them all around on us. Well, And that's awkward because then it's like, you're, you're physically distant. Like, what are you even going to do at that point? Exactly. And then you're just sitting there. Then you're just sitting there at the table and they, the server goes over and brings in the drinks and points at you. And you're just like, sitting there like a fucking idiot like it's it's so weird i actually have a friend that used to uh send shots of water that's for that across the bar as like a joke but i think that honestly i'll say that it works better than sending real alcohol because <laughs> like the bartender say there's two girls sitting at the end of the bar and you're at the other end and you send it and the bartender brings over these two shots of what look like vodka or tequila and you're like, oh, it's from it's from these guys at the end of the bar. And this girl's like, okay, like here we go again. These two random guys who I'm now obligated to like do the, you know, the cheers and the wave to sending me drinks. And then they look and they drink it. That's water. I think it's pretty funny. And it's kind of a harmless little way of getting attention that isn't creepy, it isn't desperate, and costs you nothing. So it at least shows that you have a sense of humor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tells you, it tells something about yourself where sending a shot of vodka doesn't tell you anything. So, yeah. And like, additionally, I'm too cheap. Like, I don't even, I, don't, I have never once in my life bought a round of drinks for the bar and I never will. For the bar? Like, for the whole bar? Well, or, or even, yeah, for, for anybody outside of my own group. I was like, Tim, I don't think people are uh, just buying drinks for the whole bar like you see on TV. Like, no, sometimes. Sometimes people do that though. Like they'll be like, "Oh, I just closed a big deal today. Let's fucking all do a shot." I even if I did, I would never never do that. You're never like, "Just wrote this awesome article on sustainability today. <laughs> Rounds on me, everyone." On me. No, man, no. Like I would just buy an extra drink for myself. Just buy it and tell the bartender, "Can you send this to me as if someone else has sent it to me?" <laughs> tell me it's from that girl over there. I'll, I'll buy not, it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Tim is now on the hot seat. All right. Is New Year's bullshit? No. Is the holiday celebrating an a relatively arbitrary date bullshit? I don't think so. I actually really like New Year's. It's probably my favorite holiday because it gives you a chance to kind of reset and recalibrate. And as corny and cliche as that sounds, it's something that I buy into every year. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, actually. Um, my dad hates it, though. And so it, was, it, was, it gave me the idea for the question because he basically said, like, I mean, all the, there's a Chinese New Year. There's a Jewish New Year. There's all these different New Years. And there's all different, you know, the Jewish New Year is now like you're 3,000 or 5,000 something like Chinese New Year is something different. So like, who is to say, and it's this idea, I think that 2020 is behind us. 2021 is going to be so much better as if there's some physical, tangible dividing line that we're now, uh, that we've now crossed into a, a different reality. Like it's all going to be the exact same. So I, it's almost like this I, false idea that 2021 is going to be different because it's a new year, but no, I agree with you. I, New Year's, New Year's Eve. I, New Year's Eve is probably one of my favorite holidays to 
celebrate every year. So yeah, man. Like I always, when I was younger and would actually go out to like downtown Denver or whatever, I'd always call it the Drinkers 420. You know, it's like the. <laughs> so you could make the argument too that celebrating New Year's Eve in a city is one of the worst experiences ever now yeah like i i've had some great experiences but the last time i was in a major city on new year's eve i will correct that two years ago i was in dublin and we had a great time but that's because we were in dublin the time before the last time i was in a major u.s city on new year's eve it was freaking horrible yeah yeah i mean i've gone to vermont the last four years because going to boston is just a non-option the lines are insane it's cold it's just i don't know it's not enticing so you got to find like the right way to celebrate yeah totally all right and next question i'm going to create a scenario for you and then ask for you to contribute a sentence at the end okay all right so it relates to some things we were talking about with gareth so you're hiking a, a peak in patagonia you're imagine you're not married and you know you're single just you know walking up there maybe with a friend or two and you reach the summit of this epic mountain. There's sprawling vistas over the Argentinian landscape. You see a girl standing there admiring the view. Really cute, also alone. You kind of catch her eye. You go over to her and say, what? How does this compare to the view back home? Uh, okay, who are you? I don't think that's what she would say. I think she would fucking say something back about the answer to the question. I thought you were going to hit me with a... Hi, I'm Tim. I was just admiring the view. Talking about you, of course, not the landscape. <laughs> I would not know. There, so there are t- that whether or not that is actually the one I just said is the line that actually came out of my mouth. I can say ex- precisely two things that I would not say. The first one would be something like that, <laughs> <laughs> and the second one would be like some sort of fact about the mountain or the glacier over there or something to like try to impress her. Like I know all this shit about the wilderness because I fucking hate people that do that, whether or not they're trying to hit on somebody. It does, it's not even that like people will do that anyway. I'll be on the top of a mountain in Colorado and I can just hear some guy talking to hit the people he's with about these facts. And these people just don't want to fucking hear it. Uh, did you know that the Canyon over there was formed in the year, uh, 5,000 BC in the second ice age by melting precipitation <laughs> and, uh, it's home to an abundance of, uh, wildlife, including that's, that's not you, Tim. And half the time the, the guy has no idea what he's talking about anyways. <laughs> so. Okay. No, I mean, I think honestly, like uh, not, if Gareth was still here, he'd probably agree not to put words in his mouth, but I think basically it doesn't even matter what you say, you know? How is this view compared to the view back home? Like it's, it opens the conversation, shows you're friendly, whatever. Why not? Well, and it's also a good way to gauge their interest in having a conversation because she could either say something snarky or she could actually answer the question with something honest. And then that leads me to talking to more about her home. All right. Well, yeah, if you ever uh, decide to, I don't know, if you ever get divorced and want to have a career as a dating coach, then I think you <laughs> might have a future in it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Exclusively on mountains, though. Exclusively, you're, you're a you're a Sherpa slash dating coach. Yeah, sounds something. That's a something hybrid. Like that. um, that's it. That's all I got. Well, that's all I'm going to ask because the interview went long. So. Okay. Well, that's all we got for this week. But we appreciate you tuning in. Please head over to your favorite podcast network, subscribe, rate us five stars, and leave us a comment, letting us know what you think about buying drinks for random people at the bar that you've never actually met. 
question, comment, thought, send it to noblackoutgatespod at gmail.com. We will see you next week. I'm Tim. I'm Evan. Cheers. Cheers.